Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 22nd edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday morning. I was supposed to have uh, Cole Sheldon join me this morning, but uh, he had uh, something come up last minute, so he wasn't able to, to uh, join me this morning, which is unfortunate because I actually did want to go through uh, last weekend's card with Cole. It was the last UFC card of the year, of course. Uh, UFC fight night, Thompson Neal. So I wanted to go through it with Cole, kind of just go through our year of picks and maybe some lessons we learned along the way, but not going to be able to do that today. I'll hopefully be able to get him on within the next couple of weeks. We have like a break right now, guys. We have a break until the 16th, but I'm going to still do the podcast. So Tuesday and Thursday, that's the current plan, 10 a.m. for the next couple of weeks, even during the holidays, no problem at all. If you guys want to talk MMA with me, I'll be here Tuesday, Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. All right, so let's get into it. So I got a lot to talk about today, as always. A lot of news, of course. A lot of fight announcements. Uh, and, of course, UFC Vegas 17. I do want to talk about that card and break it down. Also, maaldbreaker.com. I want to plug this article because uh, I spent a lot of time doing it. I went through all the cards from 2020. I went through all the odds, and I found out who the top 10 biggest underdogs of the uh, year that one were and some honorable mentions like i actually had like a top 25 list but i had to cut it down just it was too long but uh yeah so definitely uh, i'll check that article I'll, I'll show that article on the screen here in a second but i want to start with uh ufc fight Nate thompson neil because it was obviously the card that took place uh this past weekend i'm going to share the screen here so you guys can see what i'm talking about it's easier that way good old wikipedia so let's just go through the card here um may event the evening steven i should mention i went six and six in my picks it's funny, right? Because I actually picked six underdogs to win. And six ended up winning. I got three of the six. That's not bad, actually. This was kind of a tough night I saw for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of underdogs won six dogs, like I said. So a lot of people got burned. Uh, just, again, blindly betting uh, favorites. And you can't always do that. So you got to be careful. Um, and, you know, we might as well start with the main event here. Because this is a fight that a lot of people... Uh, we're kind of just completely like ignoring what Steven Thompson's did in the UFC and ignoring the level of experience, ignoring the five round fights, ignoring the fact Jeff Neal's never been the full five rounds and we're blind betting against him. I'm pretty surprised that Thompson closed as an underdog in this fight. I think that's just kind of ridiculous. The guy is obviously extremely talented. We saw it in this fight. We saw it in this fight. I mean, he looked great. Uh, pretty much dominated the whole fight with the striking from range, which was nice to see back to the old wonder boy to me he looked pretty much very similar to what he looked like in the vicente luke fight very sharp uh stay on the outside didn't take much damage it was a great performance he hadn't fought in a year as well like over a year actually thompson's layoff was a little longer than neil's so uh for me what he did after a year-long layoff is pretty impressive because to me it didn't look like he had any time off like he didn't look like he had any ring rust at all so i thought he looked fantastic jeff neil on the other hand you know this is the problem when you give guys a step up in competition when they're not really deserving of it. I love Jeff Neal. I love the guy. I think he is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I was one saying, hey, give this guy a top 15 opponent. Give him a top 10 opponent. It's just weird how he beats Mike Perry last year. He was at the fight. It was last December in Vegas. He knocks him out of the head kick. And at that time, I don't think he was ranked or if he was ranked, he was like 15th. Throughout the year, he got sick a few times. He had some issues um, with his health and he wasn't able to fight. He had a couple fights to fall through. And then all of a sudden, he went from 15 to 11. It's like weird how he was going up in the rankings when he kept getting hurt and pulling out of fights. Not saying that was his fault at all. I mean, people get sick, it happens. But it was really strange to me how Jeff Neal went from 15 to 11 by not fighting. I don't really understand that at all. So 
to me, I love Jeff Neal, but I think, you know, he was a little bit overrated going into this fight. And I, this is someone who picked him in all five of his other fights in the UFC. I'm very high on the guy. I just think that when you look at the level of competition, it wasn't even close, really. And Thompson goes on there and pitches a shutout. So great win by him. He's, he called out Masvidal for a rematch. We'll see if that happens. I feel like Masvidal is going to fight Covington, so Thompson will probably fight someone else in the top 15, if, you, if I had to guess. Maybe the winner of Edwards and Kamzat is possible. It's definitely possible. I wouldn't rule that out. Right now, who's supposed to fight Burns, but we don't have a date for that fight yet. Like, it's supposed to happen in early 2021. When, though? We don't know the date, right? So this division still fluid. It's still moving around. I'll take this comment. Daniel Edwards, hey, man, what's going on? Thank God for boxing betting. Only thing that made me close is you're profitable. MA's too competitive entertaining. Haha. <laughs> Well, I agree with you. It's, it's It was definitely a tough year. I actually should mention this. Like uh, We got the final tally for the picks. Brian will post it. I barely edged out 60% or 61% or something. So my goal is always to get over 60%. I don't want to be in the 50s by any means. I'd love to get the 70% of picking fights. But when you pick 456 fights, that's how many fights we picked this year. 456, six to the end in, in a no contest or draw. So out of 450 fights, I think I got like 272 or something like that. Or no, 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 maybe it's a little bit more than that, 274. Um, something like that out of 450. So whatever that is, let me just double check. Because I'm very uh, open. Yeah, 61%. So, I mean, I barely edged it out, guys. Um, yeah, it was a tough year, Daniel. I agree with you. I mean, for me, you know, actually, I made some great picks this year, especially early in the year. I was pretty hot. As soon as COVID hit and for March and May, we had no fights. When we came back, my picks were terrible. Like, I had a couple of events in may and june i think one of them was the glover anthony smith event where i got like two or three picks right in the whole card and it just completely tanked me for the whole year so it is what it is it is what it is you know it wasn't my best year of picks by any means it wasn't horrible either like i was you know pretty average i'd say for me i'm not going to go and say i, I became a million or this week uh, this year during uh, the fights but you know it wasn't terrible either like overall profitable but not like a crazy amount by any means it was a tough year but the good thing is daniel it's December 22nd in what nine more days. We have a brand new year. That means brand new 42 cards to pick next year. So we're going to start over again, man. We're going to finish first place in that pick em contest. I do want to give a shout out to Mike, Mike's MMA picks. He won the contest this year. He had a great year, man. I mean, I, I hit 61. He was at 66. That's a huge difference. 5%. So, you know, I've had 66% in the past. Like we've tracked them for like the last, what, eight or nine years. So I've been up there just not this year. It is what it is though. And I'm very open about that. Daniel says you have to beat uh, Thompson or my even now tough gatekeepers to pass. Yeah, it sure is, man. Jeez, uh, you know, Thompson, if he's a gatekeeper, I mean, that's a damn good gatekeeper, right? Like he's a tough, tough dude, man. So I'm with you. And you said Maya, yeah, that he's another guy, I, you know, and who knows, maybe Edwards is going to turn into one. Right now, I still feel like Edwards is a possible champion of the division, but he goes in there and loses the cams that he'll probably be called a gatekeeper by a lot of people. Anyways, uh, Kobe event, I, I got this one wrong. Like I said, I, I picked six dogs in this card, so no shame in that, but I got this one wrong. It was a close fight between Aldo and Vera. Pretty competitive. Like, I think more closer than the, than the final scores would indicate, but uh, you know, it was a unanimous decision, and I think that was obviously a good call by the judges. Uh, it came down really the third round, although I thought Aldo actually did enough to win probably all three. Uh, the second one was you know, around the most people gave to Vera. Third round, though, Aldo got that backpack position and just wrote it out for the, for the win. I don't blame him, man. I mean, it wasn't the most exciting way to win a fight, but he needs to get back in the win call after three straight losses. So he gets the win over Vera, and I think that's a quality win. I'm, I'm pretty high on Marvin Vera, so that's a good win. Aldo, uh, he called out TJ Dillashaw after the fight, which I thought was a really interesting call out. He's not the only guy called him. Rob Font, who also fought in this card, called out Dillashaw. So Dillashaw seems to be a pretty popular target, despite not having fought in two years and despite having a tested positive for PDs. 
Aldo was asked about it. He says he doesn't care. He just wants to fight him. He thinks it'd be a great fight for the fans. And I tend to agree, guys. I think it'd be a freaking sweet fight, man. Aldo versus uh, TJ Dillashaw. Um, you know, Dillashaw is, I think, a little bit younger. Not too much younger. He actually might be the same age. Let me double check that. He's 34, born in February 86. Aldo's born in September 86. Wow, Dillashaw's older than Aldo? What the hell? That is so weird. That is crazy. Okay, so TJ Dillashaw is somehow like six months older than Aldo, which is absolutely insane to me. But anyways, yeah, I think I'd be okay with that fight. He also said uh, a couple other guys, Frankie Edgar, which we've seen that fight a few times. I don't, I know it's a different weight class. That'd be kind of cool, but I'm not really interested in that. Plus, Frankie's fighting Sanhagen. He also said uh, Dominic Cruz, which I think is a great fight because what Aldo said was like, we're both champions. We're both former WC champions. You know, they'd be a great fight for the fans. I think that's the fight I'd like to see, but... Dominic's fighting Casey Kenny in early 2021. He's going to have to get by him, and that's a tough fight. It's possible they can still match him up if he loses, but I think he's going to have to win that fight to get this matchup. So if Cruz goes out there and beats uh, Casey Kenny, I think you could see that Aldo fight, and I think it'd be a great fight. I would love to see that fight. It'd be a fun one. Especially 10 years like after WC fell. And by the way, I want to get to this comment. Hey, Ballin, <laughs> dog. I don't know what's with that picture, but hey, what's going on, man? Um, Next fight here, Michelle Pahey against Cass Williams. Another swing in the whiff for me. I mean, it is what it is. This was a close fight, man. It could have gone either way. I did think Pahey edged it. I thought, you know, it, it was super close, but I think that guillotine that, or whatever it was, rear naked choke at the end of the second round, that probably swung the fight to him. I think it was that close where uh, a finishing attempt like that in, in a razor-thin round it probably determines the winner of the fight. So it was a super close fight. I'm sorry, and I was on KS, guys, and I actually had a guy comment to me and be like, dude, it was pretty cool how you weren't, like, biased. You actually did score for Perea because I actually did for a made decision. You guys can see my scorecards there, you know. There's no point in being biased when you're watching a fight. What's the point? Seriously, I, yeah, you want to win the, your, your bet, but what's the point of being biased with the judges? What's the, there's no benefit to you, and this is, you know, from 10 years of betting on the sport. There's no benefit to watching a fight and being like, yeah, my guy's going to win for sure. Knowing it's a close fight, knowing it could go either way, and then getting pissed off when you lose. What's the benefit to that? You're just getting upset for no reason. So, you know, bad judging is part of the sport. I get it. This was not a bad judging decision. This was a super close Razorton fight. If you call this a robbery, you probably should reevaluate how to watch the sport because to me, it's not even close to being a robbery. It was a fight that could have gone either way. And I actually think the judges probably got it right in this case. So, Perea wins. He calls it Anthony Pettis. I'll talk about him in a second. I don't know if that fight's going to happen because Pettis is a free agent. And uh, he has some other call-outs. So not sure if that's going to happen. But either way, Perea, man, he's a, kind of a tough cookie to crack, man. You know, he's one of these guys where he's got these terrible performances at times, low fight IQ, like when he fought Connolly and Sanchez. And then he looks amazing against Amadiev. And, and Williams, like, he didn't look incredible by any means. But he got the job done against the guy who was on a nice win streak. So to me, pretty quality win. Next up, Rob Font knocks up Marlon Moraes. Another upset in this card. Uh, like I said, six of them happened. And this was one of them. Um, I really wish I picked him last week. And, you know, you guys heard my podcast, and if you were on it, you know, I did mention a few things, like the reach advantage he had and the significant strikes per minute. I just thought that the, the level of competition was so far in, in uh, Marais' favor that uh, he'd get the job done. But And he looked okay at first, but, again, that change is gone. You look at Marlon's last – three of his last four fights he's been KO'd. This was to the body, really, but this is not good. You know, he's been knocked out five times in his career. A couple of them were, like, really early on. But still, you know, three of his last four fights ending in knockout. And here's the thing that's dangerous. He fought in October, got KO'd, and then comes back December, got KO'd. And we were talking about this last week. It was kind of like a flash KO. But I don't know, man. Like, to me, it was kind of a quick turnaround. 
And he's in trouble now because he dropped a lot in the rankings. Rob Font took his spot in the rankings at like in the top five. So, you know, for Font, it's a great win. But for Marias, I mean, you look at this recent record. And to be fair, this guy, like he's fought killers here. These are all killers, man. But, you know, it's a guy that at one point was 4-1 in the UFC. And now he's 5-4. and four. Like that's that's a big step off. So at age 32, not super old by any means. But had a tough year, man. I, I feel like COVID really hurt Marlon Marias. He said he had a pretty rough case of it. And it looks like it in the cage. Straight wager. Michelle is a handful. He's learning to fight a lot smarter as well, it seems. I thought he looked great, man. How's it going, by the way? I thought he looked good in this fight, man. Like, he, he fought smart. He fought well. Again, tough guy to kind of pick, I think. I think he's a tough guy to get his fights right just because he's got bad cardio and low fight IQ, but it looks like he's improved those in his last couple fights. So, I don't know what's going on with him, but he looked okay. Now, here's the one underdog that I did pick correctly. Marcin Tabur defeats Greg Hardy, and I think a lot of people like to see this. Greg Hardy's not obviously the most popular guy out there. Marcin Tabura. It survives a tough first round. It was kind of a dicey first round. Greg Hardy lands some big shots, but Tiber goes in there in the second round, and Greg Hardy's just exhausted, gets him to the ground, just rains down ground and pound, gets the stoppage, wins a bonus. Uh, a font won a bonus as well. Thompson won a bonus, and one guy in the premiums I'll talk about in a second won a bonus. Uh, but Tabura, I mean, listen, this is a guy that a lot of people were leaving for dead because after this run here, look at this run he had, guys. Like, no one even thought he'd probably get another shot in the UFC after he lost four or five. He gets knocked out in one minute, less than a minute, by Augusto Sakai in Vancouver last year. And a lot of people, including myself, are like, this guy sink, he stinks, he's done. And he's had some bad losses in his career. And then he comes back, he's won four straight fights now, this year alone. So you talk about guys that have really like improved during the pandemic. Like He's one of them. He's looked good. I think he is in the rankings now. I'm not saying Mar- Marcin Timber is an exciting guy because he's not. He's kind of dry to watch, but... He's a great gatekeeper, man. He's the kind of guy you need in the division to see how guys like Greg Hardy really do stack up. And in this case, you know, Hardy's cardio and his takedown defense just wasn't good enough. He's just, he's not that level yet. So Greg Hardy, not a top 15 guy, as we saw in this fight. Uh, going through the prelims here, Anthony Pettis defeats Alex Morono. A pretty competitive fight. He gets the decision here. Uh, Pettis is a free agent now, so he will test the free agent market. He mentioned his brothers in Bellator. So that's definitely a potential home, I think, for uh, Anthony Pettis. I definitely feel like there's a good chance of him going there, but he did say that UFC is his top choice, and he does want to fight Tony Ferguson in a rematch. He did say that despite winning his last two fights at welterweight, he wants to drop down to 155. Um, he also mentioned that he quit drinking recently, and and he's really more focused on his game, and he, he just wants to uh, do really well in the sport now in kind of the latter stage of his career. He's actually only 33 years old, um, but you know he's been around for a long time. He's been fighting for a long time since 2007, so... He's been fighting since he was 20 years old as a professional. I mean, that's a long time, you know, and uh, at some point guys do slow down. But you look at Pettis' little run here, it's not bad. Morono and Cerrone, it's a pretty good run post-COVID. And it makes people forget about that loss to Ferrer earlier this year. I mean, that was earlier this year and no one's remembering about that, right? So, guy looked good in this fight, man. For Morono, obviously a step up and he can pass the test. Uh, Kianzad and Eubanks, not a great fight by any means, kind of a snoozer, but you know, it goes the distance and, and Kianza wins the fight. And I got to give her credit. Another underdog that wins here and, and Panny. There's only 29, actually. She's been around for a long time. I and mean, she's been around since she was 21 as a pro. And I remember her in, in Ultimate Fighter and Invicta. Um, let's be fair to her, man. She's won three straight fights and she's actually improving her game. Her boxing looked a lot better in this fight. Again, not the best fight in the world, but it wasn't terrible. And, and Eubanks, I mean, she, you talk about fighters that are kind of tough to pick their fights. Eubanks is one of them, man. I mean, you look at this fight with Avia, we all thought she'd lose that. She goes in her wins, and then back-to-back fights, she loses. So very, very difficult fighter to uh, get a read of. She's 4-4 four and four now in the UFC, and 60 fighters cut. It's possible she could get cut, but you look at her Twitter, and it's all, like, pro-UFC stuff. I, I think Dana White likes her. 
Uh, we get this comment from Daniel. Quote Daniel, we need heavyweights and they never cut them. Yeah, I don't think Greg Hardy's getting cut. I'll tell you that right now. There's no way. And Tabura, yeah, he won't get cut either. Even though he's boring, he's not going to get cut because he's winning fights. Uh, this fight was interesting. Duran win versus Antonio Arroyo. Uh, Duran wins wins a unanimous decision. First round for sure, Arroyo won that round. I mean, he was he was kicking win in the face with these long front kicks from distance. He was doing damage, but Duran win somehow at five foot six. This guy is just so strong. He's so small but so strong. Twelve takedowns in this fight against the guy who was way bigger than him. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So, was it an exciting fight? No, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't at all because he basically just laid and prayed his way to the win, but he did what he had to do. So I can't blame the guy. I just think that a lot of the takedowns he had weren't like quality takedowns. It's not like he was working. You guys saw the fight. You, you saw it. He would get, basically, a Roy would land a strike and win would duck down and grab his legs and pull him down. I don't blame him. Again, 12 takedowns. Roy has horrible takedown defense. I think it was 12 of 16 that he, uh, he allowed. So it's not good. Straight weight. I mean, listen, you're not wrong. He says, it may sound stupid, Tabura should be in talks for fight of the year. Four no heavyweight over competitive competition. I mean, I, I'm with you for maybe for heavyweight fight of the year. He's got to be in the top five, like top three probably, I'd say. But again, you know, Sergey Spivak's not that good, but he is like a borderline top 15 guy at this point just because that division's weak. Grisham is a terrible fighter. Ben Rothwell's a solid win. Ben Rothwell's a quality veteran. That was a good win for him. Greg Hardy's a pretty quality win. So I'm with you. I'm not saying he's incredible by any means, but, you know, he's had some nice performances, no doubt about it, and the fight against Hardy looked good. All right, next up, Tyler Santos against Jillian Robertson. This one I called DT. This was one I loved. I love Tyler Santos here, guys. You heard the podcast last week. She was one of my big plays, and I loved her in this fight, just the wrestling and the top position. Jillian Robertson, a one-trick pony, man. She doesn't get your your neck or your back. You're, you're – like you're going to beat her. So Jillian Robertson, she's definitely dangerous with submissions. That's it, though. Very one-dimensional. Tyler Santos showed really good skills in this fight everywhere, and I was impressed by her performance and a quality dog winning that fight. This fight was another great fight, I think, for uh, Tafan Chukwu. Jamie Pickett, though, I mean, he fought scared in this fight, guys. You saw it. He was running the whole time. Really weird performance by him. Like, this guy busts his ass to win on the contender series. He goes in there three times, finally wins the fight, and it goes in the UFC, and basically he was walking backwards the whole fight. It's just, it's not a good look for him. Um, he probably will get another fight because he's on a four-fight deal, like a rookie contract, but it wasn't impressive. This dude, though, is a problem. I mean, he looked amazing. He landed 120 significant strikes, guys, in three in three rounds. And people had question marks about Nachuqui's cardio. And, you know, fair enough because he'd never fought at 185 before, but it looked like the weight cut was fine. And he looked incredible in this fight. I was very impressed by his performance. Didn't get the finish. Pickett had a pretty decent chin in this fight. Never been knocked out before. So he's a tough dude, but Nachuqui, I thought, looked great. So... I thought he looked fantastic. Didn't get a bonus, but I think he was in the running at, at one certain point. Now, uh, two fights left. Let's talk about this one quickly. Gagos and minus just because it was such a weird fight. I ended up picking minus just because he was like plus 300. I was like, I'll take a shot on him. Why not? He ends up losing. Gets dominated. I mean, this was a uh, just a lame prey type of fight for Gagos, but I don't blame him. Three days notice goes in there and gets the win. It's pretty impressive. Now, this is the fight I want to talk about, though. Jenny Flick versus Cody Dern. I, like I said, guys, this guy is super legit. And I don't know if we'll get a price like that again on him at minus 150. I mean, not against a guy like Dirt, who's kind of a, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad fighter. He's okay. He's not bad. He's an average fighter. Like, when will we ever get Jimmy Flick at minus 150 against a guy like that's not really on his level in Dirt? It's going to be tough. I mean, Dirt showed some skills in this fight. It's not like he was completely outclassed. He showed some good skills, but Jimmy Flick, man, you get close to him, you're in trouble. And I think Dirt was a little bit too willing to grapple with this guy, and he made a mistake and caught for him. Again, he caught the kick. Flick threw his leg up and gets his flying triangle choke. Okay, this is sick. 
six submission. I was at one actually, UFC 129 in Toronto in 2011. I saw Pablo Garza do this to Eve's point. I think it was the first fight of the card or second fight. It was either first or second fight. I know Ryan Jensen beat or Jason McDonald beat Ryan Jensen. That could have been the first fight, but I remember this fight and holy crap. I mean, the first time I seen it in person, it was absolutely insane. So this guy Flick does it, gets $50,000. Well deserved. Daniel says Canton's confident pick, incredible submission, defense, and composure. I agree with that. I'm just going to retweet out the uh, the link to the podcast because I'm going to do the top 10 upsets now, right now. All right. Good list, guys. I'm telling you, man. Like, there were some crazy fights here. There were some crazy, crazy finishes, man. Like, and, and crazy just upsets in general. Like, and the crazy thing about this list we're going to go through in a second here, like, there wasn't really too many bad judges' decisions, which is something you, you would think would be on a list of like crazy upsets. It was mostly just because fighters like got tired and stuff. That's pretty much what happened. So, um, all right, tweeting right now, good to go. All right, so let's go to that article, guys. Let's do it. Like I said, spent all morning yesterday going through like the whole list. Like it took a while, but it is what it is. Um, let's do it. All right, so I called it Shayna Dobson, the top 10 biggest upsets of 2020, because that's who was the biggest upset. It was Shayna Dobson. Uh, and you guys all remember that fight. So let's go through the whole list together, guys. And actually, it was pretty cool, because I, I posted it yesterday, and Shayna actually uh, retweeted it, which was super cool. She actually saw the article. Uh, her um, coach, Sean Madden, he follows me, and he, he had retweeted it, and uh, I guess she saw it, which is super cool. So... Shayna saw the article. I, I'm, I hope she read it. I hope she liked it. And then, you know, I, I, it's not like I was <laughs> crazy complimentary towards anyone really in this article. I was just real about it. So let's go through the list, guys. First on the list. And by the way, this is all via Circus Sports. So uh, that's Nick Likas. He's the obviously the, the head honcho there at Ozbreaker. That's his book. So I used, I was respectful, used their lines, their closing lines. So if you look at uh, maybe the number you got or possibly a number that uh, is different from what you've seen, it's because I'm using Circus Odds. So Number one upset of the year, Shayna Dobson defeats Maria Agapova, UFC Vegas 7 in August. And we all remember the fight, guys. Like, it was a case of, and I said it right here, it's a classic case of a big figure gassing out. That's exactly what happened. Um, Agapova goes in there and just gets really tired in the fight and gets uh, steamrolled in the second round by the underdog with superior cardio and Dobson. So, plus 11.50 were the odds of Shayna Dobson for that fight. <laughs> I didn't get that one. I'll tell you that right now. Actually... I think of the top 10, as sad as it is to say, and I'm a guy who picks underdogs like every week. I don't think I even got any of the top 10. Like these are sharp picks, guys. You're going to be pretty sharp unless you're playing the odds. You're playing in a huge fair. But in this case, you know, if people need money on this, congrats. I never saw this one coming. But yeah, Shane Dobson, man, you got to give her credit. Biggest upset, not only of 2020, but of all time in the UFC, by the way, 11.50. Another huge one, guys. Roxanne Martiferi defeats Macy Barber. This was a big one back in January. And, uh, you know, let's be fair to Macy. She tore ACL in the fight. So it's not like she was completely 100% healthy in that fight. But Roxanne did what she needed to do. She got takedowns, grinded her out, beat her up on the ground. It was a beatdown. Uh, the scorecards were extremely lopsided in that fight. It was a beatdown. And, you know, good for uh, Roxanne getting that win there. Plus 650 odds to win that fight. Next up, this was a crazy fight. Actually, this was probably one of my favorite fights of the year because it was so nuts. Trevin Jones defeats Timur Valiev. He was plus 460 uh, Jones. This is at UFC Vegas 7, actually the same card that Dobson beat Agapova. So that card was nuts. This fight, this, man, this, this fight was nuts. Um, 
Valia in first round, just taking it to Jones. And Jones took the fight on three days' notice. He flew from Guam to Vegas on like three days' notice to take this fight. Valia goes in there and just takes it to this dude in the first round. Like he's going to the body, he's hammering this guy. And somehow referee Chris Tyone, and I know a lot of people that like this guy, he allows the fight to go on. Third round, Trevin Jones goes out there and just knocks out Valia, who was tired at that point. It was a crazy win. Again, not one I saw coming, especially the short notice. That's something you got to tick this one off to, too. Um, you know, the short notice, it goes both ways. Yeah, the guy, Jones, coming into this fight, you know, he wasn't training for anyone in particular probably. But for Valiev, it's a different opponent than who he was training for. So you got to remember that the, uh, these type of short notice fights, they don't go just one way. It's both ways. you got to think about from both sides. Now, I should mention that fight was eventually overturned to no contest. But if you had bet on Jones, you won your bet that night. Same with Kevin Kroom. Same thing. Plus 450. beat Roosevelt Roberts. UFC Vegas 10 with submission. Uh, guillotine choke in the first round. He looked amazing in that fight. But again, suspended for marijuana. And he's been out for a little while now and overturned to a no contest. But if you bet on Kevin Kroom that night, you won your bet. This was a crazy one, by the way. Dan Weber says, Shane Dobson renamed herself the parlay crusher and luckily headshot to win by stoppage. And they had a weird vibe. Yeah, there was a lot of upsets in that card. I was talking about this Cole yesterday. I was like, man, look at all the upsets. But yeah, that fight, man, that was a weird one. All right, next up, Sasha Palatnikov defeats Luis Costi. This just happened. UFC 255 like a month ago. Can't believe it's been a month. Wow. Anyways, yeah, we saw the fight, guys. Again, Kossi, uh, this is a classic case of a prospect who's unproven in the UFC and their cardio fails them and he gets knocked out. And that's exactly what happened here. Palatnikov, we were all kind of writing him off. We didn't really know much about him based on his record getting knocked out by Luna Lezlez, who's on this list, by the way. But he goes in there and he gets the third finish over uh, Kossi. So great performance there by Palatnikov coming back to win that fight. And he won as a plus 425 dog. So only five fights had underdogs winning over plus 400. So that's something to keep in mind. I mean, it's, it's rare. It doesn't happen all the time. It's very difficult. Um, and then you go down, and we have a few in the 300 range now. Julian Arosa's one. Defeat Sean Woodson at UFC Vegas 4. Crazy fight. You guys saw that fight. Woodson winning the whole fight. But, man, that guy is so skinny for 145. He has no, like, meat on his bones. And Rosa started taking him to the body and eventually finishes him in the third round with a Darce choke. So great finish there by Julian Arosa, plus 285. Andre Arlovsky, this is the one controversial decision in the top 10. Arlovsky defeats Boaster. I thought Boaster won that fight, but it was a horrible fight. And at the end of the three rounds, I was like, oh, man. I'm like, if the judges get, go the other way, it's it's something I could do on this one. Like, it wasn't controversial necessarily in that, you know, it was this horrible, horrible decision. I just I, – I did think Boaster won, but, you know, a lot of people thought that he uh, – probably deserved to win that fight as well. And, and Orlovsky gets the win. And he cashes a plus 335. So, you know, Orlovsky's a guy that a lot of people fade and continues to win fights somehow. Uh, KS Williams, <laughs> I don't think we'll see him a plus 315 again, especially against a guy like Morono. We didn't know how good he was, like I say here, at UFC 247, but he goes in there and gets the win in like 30 seconds against um, Alex Morono. And then he knocks out Abdul Rakzak Alassan. He lost to Perea, but still, he had two wins as an underdog this year. It's pretty impressive. Here's another crazy one. Damon Jackson defeats Mursad Bektic. Uh, knocks him out, in, or excuse me, submits him in the third round with a guillotine choke. Crazy finish, but again, failed cardio. That's A lot of these finishes on this card happen in the third round but from failed cardio. And this was the case. Bektish gassed out, again, like he does in like almost every fight. We saw the fight with uh, Darren Elkins a few years ago. Gassed out, gets head kicked, knocked out in the third round. So a guy with bad cardio, a guy that I think will probably be released from the UFC. I don't think they'll keep him in among the 60 people they have to cut. And finally, the top 10, rounding it out, just under plus 300. Derek Brunson defeats Edmund Shabazzian again. Classic case of field cardio. That Shabazzian looked pretty good in that first round. Brunson started taking it to him in the second round. That fight could have been stopped in the second round. Gets stopped in the third round. Derek Brunson 
plus 295 to win that fight. So that's the top 10. I mean, and again, I actually didn't pick any of these right. I wish I could say, go in here and say, hey, guys, I got them all right, but I didn't. This fight, I thought Agapova would win. I thought Barber would win for sure. I mean, these are two massive favorites, right? This fight was kind of weird because of the short nose, but I still picked Valia. This one, Roberts, I was for a while, I was drinking the cool on this guy, but obviously he's not that good. Kossi, I mean, I didn't really see that one coming either, although the odds were nuts. I didn't agree with the odds. It's not like I bet on Kossi, thankfully. Same with Woodson, same thing. I thought the odds were too high. Boaster's a guy that I think a lot of us parlayed, not minus 410, which is where he closed at, but like a minus 200, because a lot of us thought he'd win that fight. So if you got minus 200, it's not as bad, but still, you lost eventually a minus 410 at close, which is bad. And same with uh, K- uh, Morono, but this was not a fight I bet on. Didn't <laughs> didn't uh, didn't get Williams here. Jackson again didn't see that one coming, and then Brunton actually did see coming, and and um, I didn't. I don't think I picked him, but he's one guy I did actually like. So out of the ten, there was only one that I had a lean to, which is obviously not good. But I'm very open with you guys. I mean, I'm going to admit my my good and bad, right? So in this case, I mean, I, I you know you guys follow me. I pick almost at least one or two dogs correctly every card but not really these huge ones like this. Like, these are rare, and it's hard to pick them right. And I should have mentioned the honorable mentions here. Nicholas Dolby defeats Daniel Rodriguez. That was also kind of a controversial decision. So uh, that was at 255 as well. So, I mean, that's interesting. Daniel Rodriguez defeats Tim Means. So he actually had it both ways, but it was you know much clearer fight in his, <laughs> in his direction when he won as a, as a dog by submission. Justin Janes defeats Frank Camacho. That was, uh, wow. I mean, Frank should have probably won that fight. Drew Dover defeats Nazareth Hackparast. And Munar Lazez uh, defeats Abdul Razak Al Hassan. And he was plus 270. So uh, there was a couple of big dogs there. And I want to get to uh, straight wagers comment. Be interesting what the odds were live betting after the first round, some of those fights, because the faves generally dominated first as well. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, Agapova, for one, um, uh, Valiev, and what was another one? Bektich. Shabazi, I mean, they were, I think they were all favored going in the last round. You know, some of those fights, man, that ended in the third round this year where a guy was down with two. Like, I'll give you an example. Jay Herbert against Francisco Trinaldo. I'm pretty sure Trinaldo was like – Grandpa Trinaldo was like plus 1,500 between second and third round. And people obviously banged that out. So if you got that one, good. But, yeah, it's it's tough to get these big dogs. It really is. But, you know, again, I, I, I got some conclusions from this. And what I said was here – a lot of these losses happened to unproven guys that and girls that didn't have the cardio to go full three rounds and we hadn't seen that. So that's interesting. And it's not only the judges that are the ones causing these big upsets. It's it's guys with bad cardio and girls with bad cardio. I think that's something that's interesting to talk about there. So anyways, um, I think that's it for that. Let me go to do some fight announcements now. Uh, Marcel's page. He's not here today, obviously. We had Marcel on last week. Let me go to Marcel's page and see what we got here. Yeah, so these fights are official now. I just saw it this morning, the three fight island cards. So that's Poirier, McGregor, obviously, in the 23rd. Kamza and Edwards, 20th. And then the 16th is Cater and Holloway. So this fight's official. We'll talk about this fight in a couple weeks. I can't wait to talk about this fight. This fight's great. Now, we'll talk about this one quickly. Devontae Smith versus Alex De Silva. Devontae Smith, man, this poor guy. I think his sister got murdered last year or this year, possibly. It was I think she was killed, right? So, I mean, this guy's had a rough time. And he's a guy that had that really bad loss last year to Conor Worthy. So, like, the last year has been just shit for this dude. feel really bad for him. But he's a talented dude, Devontae Smith. Um, he's a good friend of James, my, my boy. So, I know that uh, he's at, he's been on James' show and stuff. I really like Devontae Smith. And in this case, you know, I think this is a good fight for him to come back to against Alex De Silva. This guy's not that great. He's uh, 
yeah, he just I don't think he's been that impressive in the UFC. He's got some losses he should have had back and stuff. He's got a good record, but one and two in the UFC. I know Smith's tough to trust right now after coming off that huge upset loss, but I think he wins this fight. Randy Brown versus Alex Oliveira. I like this fight a lot too. Great fight. Uh, Randy Brown, 6-4 in the UFC. Cowboy, 11-7, 0-1-0 contest. So he's had a lot of fights. This is his 20th fight. Wow, it's impressive. I mean, he's only been in the UFC for like five or six years. He fights all the time. Randy Brown's been in the UFC for a couple years too, I think five years now. Uh, pretty close fight. I mean, Randy Brown has definitely got more upside, I think. Um, he's a little bit younger. And we've seen at times some incredible performances like against Alves, Barbarina, but, you know, fights like the Nico Price fight where he gets KO from his back, I mean, it, when he's on the ground, right? Like, that's not something you want to see looking forward, especially against a guy like Oliveira that can finish people from different positions. So close fight, I could see it going either way, but, you know, yeah, it could go either way, honestly. I have no idea what the odds. Now, this one, <laughs> we've already seen odds for this. Like, it came out a few months ago. I think the line was taken down. It'll go back up. I expect Nunez to be, you know, minus 800 to minus 1,000 in this fight. I don't really see a path to victory for Megan in this fight. Sorry to say. I mean, maybe a head kick. That'd be pretty much her only way of winning. I think she's going to get taken down and beaten up pretty easily in this fight. I just don't see her giving Amanda a tough test at all. And, again, no huge disrespect to Megan Anderson here. I mean, she's one of the best featherweights in the world. I mean, she is. But Amanda's obviously just, like, way above everyone else. This fight's it's kind of a joke fight, if you ask me. I think she'll just destroy her. Um, there's a couple other f- fight announcements here that we're talking about for sure. Derek Minner versus Charles Rosa. I like this fight too. This is a fun one, man. Derek Minner coming off that great win over TJ Laramie. He looked amazing in that fight. Gets the first round win. Actually, he wasn't on the list, but he was number 16. He was plus 265. So he was number 16 when he beat Laramie. He just missed the top 15 there that I put. So he was, Derek Minner was there. And this guy's got an incre- incredible submission game. Like one of the best. Rosa is also obviously good at submissions. And uh, he's coming off a couple like decent performances here. This fight with Aguilar was, was a good performance by him, and uh, the main Bermuda's fight. I mean, this guy's solid, so it's a close fight. But you know, Derek Minner with those submissions, man, he can easily get out roast in the first round if he makes a mistake in the ground. So it's a close fight. But uh, Rosa, more well-rounded guy, better cardio, should win the fight. But Minner, super dangerous in round one. I love this fight too. Um, Rafael Sunsell versus Brownie Barcelos. Love this matchup. I talked a little bit last week, but yeah, I love this fight. Both guys are legitimate fighters. Santel 11 and 5 in the UFC. Barcelos 5 and 0. Barcelos deserves a step up. I remember last year when I went to that card in Brazil, he fought this guy named like Carlos Hoshan or something. And man, he beat the crap out of this dude. Like Barcelos. It was a vicious beating on the ground. So this guy is just like super. I've always liked him, man. Ever since I saw that, the way he finished that fight, he's a violent dude. Love a Santel. He's a, again, tough guy to, to beat. Really good at winning decisions and stuff, but. Man, Barcelos, I'm, I'm high on, guys. I really am. And then there's this fight, too. Tagir Ulenbekov against Matthias uh, Nikolaou. It's a pretty fun fight as well. Um, Nikolaou is uh, – her his, his girlfriend's fighting in the UFC now. She was in some contender series. Uh, Brazilian girl, she just won a few weeks ago. That's his girlfriend. So now I guess because she won, Dana White's giving, her another, giving him another chance. He was in the UFC a while ago with Matthias Nikolaou, but he, he was 3-1. and one. But he got caught for PEDs, and he lost a few fights. He lost one fight, actually. They cut him. So good to see this guy back, and he's definitely good. But this is a tough fight, man. Tajir is good, and his first fight in the UFC against Bruno Silva was a dog fight, man. Great fight, and gets the win there. He'll probably be a big favorite there. Um, I already covered those other fights last week. So there was a few other fights on my list, though, that I had that Marcel doesn't have yet official, I guess. Uh, They were announced yesterday. Uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio would be one of them. 
he's fighting Lee Jingman. Let's look at Santiago. So he's 34 now, right? He's a fought in two years. Like, look at his record. He's pretty damn good, right? Like, it's he's got some nice wins. Mike, the you know, Maggie win, Mike Perry, Gunnar Nelson. But he hasn't fought since November 2018. So that's a long time, guys. And he's a guy with COVID. You've seen how many guys that had COVID had, have had issues winning fights. So I don't know. He's supposed to fight Malzim Salikov. He ironically gets his COVID and then he starts, he's going to fight uh, Li Jingliang now. So that's the fight. Li Jingliang and Santiago Pontenevio. Li Jingliang was supposed to fight Dwight Grant. He got COVID. So all these guys cast the problems with COVID. Now you get matchups like this. And Li is, you know, he's only, he's 32. So he's, he's, he's right there too. But he's underrated, man. He actually has a nine and four record in the UFC. He's super underrated. Uh, Ponzinibbio, I think, is nine and two. So nine and two versus nine and four. Love the matchup. I think Ponzinibbio is a better fighter, personally. But Jingliang is super underrated. He's got a nice knockouts. The only problem is, most of them are over guys that are not really in the UFC anymore. I guess his best win is the Santos. That was a great win for him. But uh, I don't know. When he steps up, again, I guess uh, I'm not too sold on this guy. He is good, but mostly against like inferior competition. I think Ponzinibbio will probably win this fight, if you have to ask me. He should be like a pretty decent favorite in that fight, like minus 250, something like that. I don't know. I know the, the, the layoff guys is scary, but he is the better fighter. And you look at this run he's on, it's nice. But again, over two-year layoff, that's a long time. Um, another fight, Frankie Edgar versus Corey Sanhagen. So let's look at this one. Frankie Edgar, there is odd though. I saw odds for this one at a Euro book. It was minus 230, Sanhagen plus 170, Frankie. And, you know, Frankie's got a chance to win this fight, man. I mean, look at this fight with Munoz. I didn't think he won that fight. He thought he lost, but it was competitive. And for a guy who's 39, you know, for his first fight at Bantamweight, his cardio held up really nicely going in full five rounds. I still question his chin a little bit, though. I mean, he's, he's been knocked out a couple times the last few years, Ortega and Jung. So I'm a little bit worried about him. And San Hagen's got power. He's got the kicks. We saw that against Marias. San Hagen's younger, too. Let's look at Corey. I love this kid. He's only 28, too. He's 11 years younger. I mean, that's that's a big age difference. Um, I'm assuming his reach is longer. I'll have to check that. I will check that in a second. You look at his uh, resume in the UFC. It's been impressive. Six and one coming off the win of Marias. I can see why he's the favorite here. I just think Frankie could win this fight. I should mention... Right now, it says the co-main event between, uh, after Overeem and Volkov on that card on December, uh, February 6th. So right now, it's three rounds, but I could see this, easily see this fight being switched to a five-round fight and headlining another card. I think the five versus three rounds really does matter for this fight. If it's five rounds, I might take a shot at Frankie. Three rounds, I'd have to go with Sanhagen, I think. But five rounds, I mean, look at Frankie's resume. Look how many times he's been five rounds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11. Oh, my God. He's been five rounds 11 times. Like, that's incredible. I think he actually might have the most, uh, like, ring time in UFC history, cage time. And, yeah, saying has never been five. So, again, right now it's three rounds. But I'm saying if it gets switched to five because that could easily happen, to me that would be a fight that Frankie could win. I should mention also I, I kind of disagree with Overeem and Volkov being the main event for that car right now because – Let's be honest, guys. Will those guys even need a full five rounds to get a finish? Probably not. I think that probably ends in the first or second round. So to me, it's kind of a mistake. I think Frankie and Sang should be the main event. Now, there's one other fight to talk about really quickly. Nina Ansaroff will be taking on Mackenzie Dern. Let's pull up Ansaroff. Again, someone who hasn't fought in a long time. She's 35 years old now. Just had a kid with Amanda Nunez. Had her first uh, daughter, Reagan. And, you know, Nina's an underrated fighter. I mean, she has some nice wins. Gadea, Marcos. And her, her losses, except for this one, are all by decision. So... She is tough, and we saw that fight with uh, Tatiana. That was a close, competitive fight, man. It really was. And uh, almost pulled it off in the end. If it was five rounds, you talk about three versus five, she would have won that fight with five rounds. Like, uh, we all saw that fight. 
So she's good. The, but again, she's 35 and she hasn't fought in over a year, over, over, uh, yeah, a year and a half. So long layoff, man. And to me, that's, that's an issue, especially against someone like Mackenzie Durant. And Mackenzie Durant is actually the perfect fighter to talk about when you're talking about layoff from pregnancy because look at her. You know, she had, she had a nice run. Everyone's talking about her as a contender. She gets pregnant. She has her first uh, child. And she loses her first fight back against Remus. Her cardio wasn't there. Her takedown defense wasn't there. Since then, won three straight fights. And she said that, you know, she needed that fight to get back into, like, fight shape. So, you know, for me, this is, like, a classic example of, like, kind of learning something from your opponent and answer off. I'm not saying she can't win this fight because if she can keep it on the feet and keep it standing, she definitely could outstrike Dern. But I saw enough of Dern's boxing prudence against Jan Rover, and you know her ground game is incredible, that I think she should be favored to win, even though, obviously – uh, she's not even close to being ranked as high as Ansaroff is right now. She's number 11. I think Ansaroff's five. So, you know, it's a classic case of uh, prospect against a higher-ranked fighter. But in this case, I think the prospect will be the higher fighter at, uh, the, um, uh, at, the, at the sports book. She'll be like a minus two to 300 favorite, I would assume, in this fight. And if she isn't, she's going to be a steal of a price. I don't think she'll be more than that. We've seen her – for some reason, Durham still gets good lines. Like, we're still getting good lines against Janarova and – and Marcos wasn't terrible either. So, like, she's still getting decent lines considering her how dominant she's been. Straight wager. Dern's hard to beat. She's active. You put it all together. She had a dog in there, too. I love her, man. I absolutely love Mackenzie Dern. I really do like her. Always liked her ground game. But, you know, the last fight with Jane Rowe breaks her nose. She could have, you know, just kind of just threw it in a towel there, man, just not wanted to fight in the third round. And she goes in there and she, she put up a dog fight and she gets the win. And like you said, been active. Three fights in six months. I like her a lot, man. I think she probably wins that fight against Ansaroff. All right, let's go to BJ Pan, look at some news, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Probably don't know if I'm going to get to the full hour today, but I'm, I'm down to answer any questions. Throw them in here, guys, and I'll answer them. All right, close some ads here. Got to pay for, for our salaries, guys. That's how I get paid, so remember that. Um, all right, so let's talk about a few things here. Now, this one, is, this one I'll talk about quickly. Dana White, UFC released video response to those critical of the promotion holding events during pandemic. I kind of will talk about this one because it's media-related, so it's pretty crazy, right? We all know that Dana White doesn't like the media. Um, Dana White despises the media in many ways, especially MMA media. We've heard him talk crap about us all the time. Not really me. I don't, I don't think I have a problem with Dana. Like, yes, I am blocked on his Twitter, but... Uh, that was from years ago. That was like six or seven years ago when I was critical of, I think there was a pay-per-view that Mighty Mouse headlined against someone. I can't remember who it was. Maybe the one in Vancouver against Horiguchi. I was super critical online about Dana, UFC, and Mighty Mouse. And they both blocked me after that. I was like, this is not a pay-per-view quality card, guys. You can't be spending, asking people to spend 60 bucks on this. And they all, they both blocked me. That was years ago though. I am in the good books now, I think. Not in the, not in the bad books. I'm not getting coal for Christmas from Dana, but he's not sending me a Christmas card either. Now, these dudes in this video, and some of them are my boys, man. Like, my my friend Kareem's, again, me and Kareem are, are friends, you know. I know Kareem's a controversial guy. We all know that. But I love Kareem. He's one of my good friends. So, you know, he's the first name they threw in this video. They threw shade at. Um, Alex Lee's another guy I know in person. I'm not going to say we are close friends by any means. Alex and MMA fighting. But, I, like, I like Alex. And we've, we've hung out in person before. He's a cool dude. I talk to him sometimes. Like, he's definitely a good guy. And uh, he gets singled out as well. There was a couple other guys, a uh, guy at CBS, Brian Campbell, he got singled out. You know, I'm not surprised. And also Josh Thompson, Big John, not surprised. I mean, it's, that's UFC throwing shade at CBS and Bellator because Brian worked with Luke and they have that CBS uh, combat show or whatever. So, you know, that's their thing. These guys are all, you know, here's the thing. When you play with the big boys, you're going to get burned at some points. And these guys, 
you know, you go out there and you call it Dana White, you call it the UFC, you call it Zufa, and you're critical about it. That is totally fine. As a journalist, you should be doing that. As a journalist, you should be asking questions. At the same time, though, the UFC has proven that they're pretty safe in what they're doing. So, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, maybe their points at the time were valid, very valid, I'd say, especially in April when they want you that, that show on the uh, Indian Reserve. That was just ridiculous, right? But I think over the last six months doing the events of Fire Island in Vegas, has shown that USC, they do, I think, I've, they've done a good job. And I think in many ways, I've arguably done a better job than a, a sport like NF, the NFL, where you've had like huge breakouts on teams like the Baltimore Ravens. And, and you've had guys like multiple guys on the same team test positive. Obviously, there's been positive tests in the UFC, especially lately. That's going to happen when you have guys flying from all around the world to Vegas or file. It's going to happen. It's not the safest thing, obviously. And, you know, a lot of these comments were, you know, the UFC is putting big business before um, health and safety. That's a fair, I think, thing to say. Having said that, it's not like the UFC is the only sport or the only business that's doing the same thing. It's a business after all. And uh, Dana White, basically, it's just him saying, I told you so. So, again, all these guys in the video that, he threw shade at, you know, there's some great guys in there. Kareem is a great guy, man. I'm telling you, he's a misunderstood dude, man. I'm telling you right now, as someone who's been his friend for a long time, he's a bit misunderstood. And he's, he's highly critical of, of uh, Kadyrov and, and of uh, uh, some of these guys like Ali and all these guys and, and Dana. And I understand that, that, but that's what Kareem does. And he's a guy that asks the hard questions and I respect him for that, you know, but I knew Kareem before that. I knew Kareem when, you know, me and him hung out years ago, like 10 years ago, we would hang out and watch the fights and just as fans, you know, and just hang out. And it's different now. He lives in a different place in, in the can in uh, Canada now than I do. Um, but he's still a great friend. And it, you know, it was it was a little tough to see him get singled out there. I'm not surprised. Obviously, it's not like the first time it's happened. But it just shows how petty the UFC can be, too. Though I mean, it really does, right? Like they they hold a grudge, man. You know, and again, I'm not really on their bad books. I've been I'm credentialed still. I'm still a credentialed media member, so I've been to events and they haven't said anything to me. Thankfully. Um, and I'm a guy who does speak the truth. I mean, you guys see me on Twitter. It's not like I hold back. You know, there's just certain things that I think in some cases you need a bit more information on. In this case, I didn't know all the medical stuff. That's why I didn't say much about it. It's not like, like I agreed with it. I disagreed completely when they wanted to do the Tattoo Palace event. That was ridiculous. But, you know, when they did the Florida events, I, I didn't necessarily agree with that one either. But when they started going back to Vegas and, and Fire Island and they showed all the testing protocols, you started to realize the UFC is doing it the right way. And you know, I'm not going to give uh, Dana credit for being a jerk in this video because he was. He's being a bully as usual. But I'll give the UFC credit for running a pretty good show. And and here's the other thing, and i got to mention this because, you know, I think a lot of people that uh, are critical of the UFC forget this sometimes. You know, a lot of us wouldn't have a job with her if it wasn't for Dana and, and the Fertitas believing in the sport 20 years ago. And I, I'll always be grateful for those guys. doesn't mean you can't criticize them. You can. But I'm always grateful for them for creating what we have as – this amazing sport, the best sport in the world. And I'm very lucky able to cover this for a living. So it's nice. So I'll give Dana credit for that. But, you know, he was a bully in this video. There's no doubt about it. I'm not, I'm not condoning his behavior. Stupid video. I mean, it really is dumb. It's just them basically saying, you know, the UFC is great and we made a bunch of money. While they're cutting 60 fighters, while they're having um, career-high revenues and profits and they're cutting all these guys on the roster, it's kind of sickening. But it's a business. I get it. It's not just a sports, a business, sports entertainment. It just sucks that Kareem and Alex, two guys I really like, got singled out in this video. But uh, and Josh Gross, another guy. But you know, Josh has been in the UFC's banned list for years. Not like I'm sure Josh just laughed when he saw that. We already knew that he was on the bad list. <laughs> He's on Dana's naughty list this this winter. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, we'll call him Uncle Dana, right? How about Santa Dana goes in there? And anyways, I don't want to talk about it anymore. But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. Those guys. 
I, I would assume there anyone mentioned that article or that video, I would assume you won't see them at UFC events when they do have uh, media coming back and fans coming back and stuff. Um, this I saw last night. This is sick. You guys got to watch it. If you're a Diaz Brothers fan like I am, you'd like to see this video. They were uh, training, and they look good. Nick looks really good. He looks focused. I know Nick's had some problems, man, with, with drinking, and obviously they're both huge uh, potheads, which I don't think is an issue at all. You guys know I'm pro marijuana, so no, no problem there. Um, but the alcohol is something that – and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm anti-alcohol. I'm sure most people listening to this podcast have a drink here and there or maybe more than that. But when you're a professional fighter and you're trying to make a comeback, you got to cut down that stuff. It looks like he's super focused. He looked good. Nate looked good. I want to see this. I want to see them both come back. And you know, a, lot, a lot of fans want to see them fight the Paul brothers. I'm not, that's not going to happen now, guys, but a few years down the road, it's, it's possible. Definitely possible. Kevin, surprised you have season to put on one or two-hour year-end awards on ESPN. I'm with you. This is something I've said in years, man. Hey, Kevin, how's it going, by the way? I'm with you, Kevin. Like, it's weird, right? Like, all the other sports have numerous awards, like award shows. And, like, baseball does an award during the early uh, November. They do, like, a different award every day, and they have their MLB network. Um, UFC has Fight Pass. Why can't they do a show there? Or ESPN, like you said, ESPN Plus. I'm with you completely. They should do an award show, Best Fight, Best Female Fighter. And it doesn't have to happen in December. It could happen in January, February, or something. But I'm with you. I mean, why rely on fighters only? Why not do your own? It doesn't really make sense. UFC is such a big sport. You can't do an award show. I mean, that's pretty common, I think, in most sports. I'm with you on that one, Kevin. This is, you know, Cole did this article. And I'm, not, I'm not throwing shade at Cole because, you know, Ariel's the one who tweeted. But I literally posted this article like three months ago from TMZ or two months ago. So it's not like this is news. This part's news, though. The winner expected to fight Jones from Steve Bay Francis because we, we thought maybe Jones would get a tuna fight. So that part's news. But the first part, and again, this is not Cole. Ariel's the one who, who broke the news when it's already TMZ reports two months ago. Dana White actually talked and said March. So we already know that it's going to be 259 most likely. But this part about the, the winner fighting Jones is interesting because you thought Jones might get a tune-up fight. I thought so. Looks like he's just going to step in the fire and get the winner of Francis and, and Stipe. And, you know, Francis deserves this fight. Here's my question, though. What if it's uh, a win for Francis in this fight and then it's a – one and one in the trilogy. Do they do a trilogy fight? Just say it's a close fight and Francis wins a decision or something. Or maybe say Stipe's winning and Francis gets a late knockout. I don't really know. Would they do a trilogy or Jones get that fight? I don't know. It's interesting, right? Rose uh, responded Dana. Actually, I read the response. I wrote, well, I wrote the article. I better write it. But you know what? She didn't say that much. You know, I like Rose too. I think she's another misunderstood person in the MMA community. I think the thing with Connor screwed her up a lot more than people realize. Um, you know, I think she's got some some issues that she needs to take care of personally. I mean, it, it, she's been open about that. It's like I'm you know, out there saying that as a jerk. She's been open about that stuff. In this case, though, you know, she just said she wants to fight, but she didn't specifically say, I want to fight Wheelie. I want to, I want to fight her for the belt. She just said she's ready to fight. So I don't know. I mean, there, there might be something in what Dana said. There, she could have possibly said, I want to fight for the belt next. I want to tune-up fight or something. I don't know. I'd like to see Rose and Wheelie. I think that's the fight to make. We all agree with that, I would say. But I don't know, man. There's something to this. I think Dana White's – he's a little like uh, – you know when you get Dana's bad books, it's not good. He likes he likes Rose, but I think in this case, something went on behind the scenes we, we're not seeing here. I'm not going to be surprised if they give it to Carla. And I think Wheelie Zhang should be like a minus 1,000 fight uh, – minus 1,000 favorite in that fight if that happens. I don't see – Jang having any issues at all with uh, Carla, especially with the takedown. I think she'll stop, stop them all and knock her out. It'd be like the Joanna fight. All right. This was interesting, too. 
Conor McGregor posted uh, basically like a UFC sent him a letter or Zufa sent him a letter showing all the pay-per-views he sold. With Cowboy, it was like 1.353 or something million. And we thought before it was UFC 251. Masvidal Usman, it was at um, 1.33 million. So McGregor's saying that they beat it out a little bit. Now, here's the thing. Um, these numbers trickle in over the course of the years. So that's why we're, we're seeing this number a little different than what was originally reported, which I think was 1.1 or 1.2. It definitely did over a million. We already knew that. But uh, the question was, was it the biggest of the year or not? It looks like it is, which is, which is pretty cool to see. Um, you know, McGregor is the biggest thing in the sport. And for Cowboy, that's why I think it's cool to see because, you know, at this point, it looks like he's probably at the end of the road, right? He might get one more fight. He says he wants to fight uh, lightweight one more time. But, you know, this is probably the last big pain in his career. So it couldn't happen to a better guy in Cowboy. I hope he got pay-per-view points with that or at least something. But for McGregor, he just keeps raking it in. I will say this. Abe Cowboy, the manager of uh, of uh, Masvidal, he went out there on social media and said that uh, – the numbers are not right, and the, the 251 still has a beat. So maybe we'll see Masvidal or Usman posting something on Twitter with their numbers. But right now, it looks like 246, biggest of the year. And if that holds, it would actually be the biggest one since Connor Habib, which I think did 2 million or something like that, close to 2 million. Kevin, I think Dana doesn't want Steve Rose out belt just because they fight so infrequently. Yeah, I, I, he likes active guys. That's why I keep saying, like, you know, people will disagree with you. I keep saying Kevin Holland's closer to a title shot, people think, because. Dana White loves guys like that. They love they love guys that fight actively. I think maybe that's why that they'll reward Carlo with the fight as well, um, because she's been pretty active lately. So, you know, they like fighters to fight. And same with heavyweights. Uh, you know, Stipe is a guy who fights once a year um, at this point. Having said that, I think when when you're the UFC heavyweight champion, when you're proven, he's probably the best heavyweight of all time, right? Like in the UFC, he's up there, right? Stipe. I think in his case, like it's okay if he fights once a year, but you know, if you are the UFC, you probably want to get that title defended twice. So. They probably prefer it was Francis, who seems like he wants to fight more often, or or even John Jones. But you know, Jones is a guy who fights once or twice a year. Thought this was interesting. Aldo was uh, talking about Dillashaw. He said it was just a mistake that he took the PEDs. It seems like he wants that fight. I, I'd like to see that fight. Like I said earlier in the show today, I, I'd watch that fight. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely a possibility. Um, yeah, he looks good too. Submission underground. I don't. I don't watch the grappling stuff, but I know that uh, Cerrone looked really good. And Bader won, so it's crazy because they those are like rematches, but in grappling. Gomi's fighting a Ryzen. That's something worth mentioning quickly. Um, there's a few other things. Yeah, Pat is talking about that. That's pretty much it, though. I think. Let me see if I forgot anything else. Uh, no, that's that's pretty much it. Now, okay, we got. I got five minutes left. You guys have questions? Throw them in there, okay? Please throw them in there. Marcus wanted me to go through the cards of the year. I was planning on doing it with Cole today, but I couldn't. So I'm going to do it by myself. He wanted me to go through all the cards and say how many of them were duds. He asked me this the other day. I'm going to do it for you right now, Marcus. Hopefully you can see this if you're listening. If not, I'm sure you'll see the replay. This was a pretty good card. This was a good card too, I think. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Some good wins on this one. Good finishes. 247 was a good card. This was a good card too. I mean, mostly they're good, right? They're pretty solid. This was a great card. This one was solid too. You know, the, the main event obviously ended some controversy. This card was good. Um, that fight with Romero and as Sonny told him, most disappointing fight of the year. That to me, that'd probably be up there. But this fight was best fight of the year. So you have the best fight of the year and one of the worst. It's just that's a sport's funny. But yeah, this was a good card. Lee Oliveira, this is the last one before the break. Um, this card, yo, actually, Marcus, this might be a good uh, pick because a lot of these cards, a lot of these fights in the prelims went the distance. You had 
I think this set a record, if I'm not mistaken. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine fights in a row that went distance. There was a couple of finishes at the end that saved the card, but I'm not saying decisions are boring necessarily, but I think this was like literally the first time you have seen, and you did have a draw, but anyways, you had uh, nine fights that went distance. So that, that'd probably be in the short list. The first, the last one for the uh, break. This fight was, this card was canceled. I mean, look at these cards that were canceled. This one, this was rebooked, rebooked. This fight never saw Hermanson Weidman. Never saw that fight, guys. 249. Uh, this card was great. We were done with this one. Great card. A lot of cards. Smith to share was a pretty good card. Over in Harris. There were some good fans in this card. It wasn't the best, but it was pretty good. Woodley Burns. Um, yeah, this was pretty good too. Nunez Spencer was a card. This was probably one of the weaker periods on paper, but it turned out to be okay because you had the Garbrandt knockout and the O'Malley knockout. So, and, and the Sterling win. Actually, this card was pretty good. Heinish knocked out um, Richard too. Not bad at all. You guys, was there any bad cards, guys? Maybe this card. Okay, this was a bad one. I and Calvillo, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This had some nice finishes on the prelims, but this main card was pretty bad. And the main event was just dragged on forever. So that would, I wouldn't say it's the worst fight, but it's up there. It's, it's probably in the bottom part of this I Calvillo card. Blades Volkov, another card. Dana White hated this card. There were so many decisions. I remember he hated this one on the main card. Poirier Hooker was great. No, no, no doubt about that. This was a good, really good card. 251. Cater Ige. Um, this card had a lot of decisions, but actually was a pretty good card. Figueredo Benavides was was solid. Whitaker Till was good. Fight Island card. Long night, but a good card. Brunson Sebastian. Uh, this one was actually probably up there too. I mean, there's some nice finishes, but they only had eight fights so on the card. There was a lot of issues, so that's got to be up there. Go through this really quick. Olenek, uh, Lewis was okay. 252 was a good card. Munoz Edgar was a great card. A lot of lot of crazy upsets in that card. Smith Rakic was another card that wasn't that good. This one's, you know what? This is up. This is up there, Marcus. If you're there, this is definitely in the bottom part. Like this main card was not very good. Overeem Sakai was decent. Not many fights though. Seven fights. Wow, that was a low low uh, card. Um, not bad. I mean, I think they're all pretty good. Like this card was good too. Odyssey was good. Homel Donner was, I think, solid. Yeah, it was pretty good. Sanhagen Morais was. This had a lot of decisions on the early part, but the fights were good. So again, it's, it, you know, it just depends on how good the fights are. This card had some fights that weren't that great, but overall not bad. Gaethje and Khabib was great. This was a great card in Halloween, one of the better ones of the year. Santos Shashara was good. Feller de Santos was good. I, honestly, I mean, there really isn't that many. Well, I guess this card's not amazing. This wasn't an amazing card. That would probably be in the bottom five, but the main event saved it. This was good. This one wasn't great. It was okay. Herman's inventory. Yeah, it's nice to go through the year, right, guys? I just did the just rate, but this was good, and then this was good. So, whew, I can't even talk anymore. Jeez. Well, I got a minute left here, so I'll talk. I'll, I'll, I'll get to uh, relax my voice. going to get these comments I'm getting out here after. Straight wager of Tosuki and Hack Kratz. Great way to start the year. Love that fight. Love that guy, Tosuki, too. Daniel Edwards, Aldo should teach CJ how to fight, how to throw out the piss sample, right, and call him for free. I mean, Aldo's been connected to PDs his whole career, but he's never tested positive, so you can't say he's taken him. He's been tested a lot, too. Last thing, Kevin, you will have a press conference for Dustin Connor. I hope so. But, you know, they used to do, like, media calls. I used to be on them when I worked at the score. They'd have these, like, phone calls. I, I remember going on them. That was pretty cool. I remember one time I, I was on one, like, eight or nine years ago when uh, Dan Henderson pulled out of that fight with with uh, John Jones and, and, and Dana White called – Greg Jackson, the sport killer. I was, I'm, I'm the one asking that question. So I remember they used to do that. Maybe they'll do that phone call, but I don't know if they'll do it in person. Hopefully in Abu Dhabi, that'd be, that'd be good, but not sure. Anyways, I got like 20 seconds here. So guys, follow me on Twitter at MMAdamMartin. 
bjpen.com, mmaoddsradio.com, odds.com, mmarings.net. Um, check out all those places, guys. And please check out the, that uh, Top 10 Upsets article. Be back on Thursday at 10 a.m. for the uh, Christmas Eve episode of the MAOB Daily Podcast. Appreciate all you guys in the chat, man. Love you guys. And I'll be back to, uh, Thursday at 10 a.m., uh, one of the last ones of the year. Have a good one, guys. See you later. Bye.